Our guest in this episode is Steve Cohen. Steve is a chapter co-founder, former board director, and volunteer with Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. Steve, welcome to the Wish House podcast. How are you? Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. One of these days, I'll get to New York and get to see the Wish House. You're welcome anytime. You have an open door policy. Whenever you want to drop in, you can feel free and, and visit us. We'll be so happy to receive you and be able to give you a true, you know, Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley welcome when you arrive. So, we will. We will. and that's actually a great, a great um, kind of way to start. So, you know, for those that are listening to this podcast, they're going to be hearing from you for the first time. And, and I'm excited and I feel privileged to be able to have this conversation with you. So just talk about when you first heard about Make-A-Wish, how did Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley start? But I would love for you to kind of talk a little bit more in depth on the Million Dollar Roundtable and yeah. kind of how the idea started from there and how it got to you. There was, um, I was on the board of a bank and they were opening up a branch in uh, in Mount Kisco and there was a big like cocktail party one. Steve Wake was at the, at the party and it was right across the street from his office and only about four stores down from Danny's uh, cheese shop at the time. So Steve was there and he grabbed me and, uh, and talked to me about, he had just come back from the Million Dollar Roundtable and they had the Make-A-Wish presentation <clears throat> and he was all excited about it. And he started explaining it to me. And, and fortunately, I'm lucky we have healthy children and, and what have you. And, and I've always been involved in charities. I've served on, on, I don't know, 30, 40 boards over my lifetime. So. Uh, uh, anyway, so he had explained it to me, and I thought that was a great idea. I really, I really liked it. I got the got the concept right away. So, and he said, "Well, I already spoke to Danny Liebman about it, and and you're the only, you know, the other one. So, uh, you know, we, we ought to do something." So, Danny and I then chatted, and uh, we proceeded to get a couple of our friends, the Rockmockers, Larry and Phyllis Rockmocker, uh, and uh, and I, and I think it was uh, and there was some other ones. I'm sorry, I don't remember it. You're going, you're going back, I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. I don't remember all these things as well. A number, we got about 10 of us, our wives included Cynthia, my wife, uh, of 55 years. And, Congratulations. And, I, and, and Danny and Sandy and, and uh, Phyllis and Larry and a couple others. And we, uh, we had a meeting and uh, we invited the uh, New, York, New York chapter. They came up to talk to us about it, who we were going to file for a charter and we needed some help. What is it all about? How do you do this stuff and what have you? So they were the ones that originally trained us. Right. did everything with us because the board did, did everything. And um, they came up and, and we, we really thought it was a great idea. We had an opportunity. I, remember how, I don't remember how it came about, but we had an opportunity to do a wish or two. I think that's the one Danny may have referenced or tickets to go into a, see a show on Broadway or something. Right. So on paper for us, whenever we look at our history of wishes and we go back yeah. to number one, the first wish um, was uh, tickets to go see the Nutcracker on Broadway. Yeah. Um, so that was the first wish that you recall was kind of the first one that kind of started that. And, and actually, it was uh, the first wish that we did. But it was un since we weren't a chapter yet, right. we really couldn't legally kind of, kind of do wishes. So uh, we did it as volunteers of the uh, New York Long Island chapter. The Metro New York I think, chapter. And I think they even paid for the wish at, at the time because we had no funds. We hadn't done any fundraising because right. we weren't allowed to. We weren't a, a, a charity yet for it. So, the, so they did it. And they, they were always friends of, of the chapter and so on. So uh, uh, that's how we got to. Uh, so, so anyway, so, so we had our meeting. We started. We filed our papers. 
and we became our own chapter and uh, and and began to do uh, the fundraising and wish granting. Uh, not necessarily in that order because the wish granting came in faster than the funds, but. Uh, Right. It, it was, yeah, that's, that was the founding of it. So, so I have a question for you, just to recap it. So you mentioned some some really important couples, you know, including yeah. yourself and your wife, Cynthia. Um, you mentioned Danny and Sandy Lieberman, uh, Steve and Ann Blake. And you said Larry. And who was the his wife? Phyllis Rockmacher. Larry's a podiatrist in Mount Kisco. Larry, matter of fact, Larry, Danny and I in 1985 ran the New York City Marathon together. We, oh, wow. We trained and ran that marathon. You want to know some, an interesting New York City marathon connection to, to you guys, a, a, an important linkage? So one of, when we launched the podcast in January, we start, one of the episodes we launched with was for a Wish alum. His name is Brian Chin. Um, he's actually the alumni or one of the people that really helped with our podcast because he created the music, our theme music for the podcast. Uh-huh. And he talks about how on his episode, he talks about how before COVID, he, uh, one of his life goals was to complete the New York City Marathon, which yeah. he did. And not only did he do it, but he also, um, his wife had a sign up and his his sister and his family held up a sign for him that had the Make-A-Wish logo on it. So uh, you talk about an, 35 years later, or, you know, at that point, yeah. maybe 33 years, how the New York City Marathon was still connected to Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley in a really unique way. First with you guys running it as our co-founders and original board members. And then you had a Wish alum whose wish was granted in 2003 um, and how he was running it. And after, and again, his his condition was a heart condition. So for him to run the New York City Marathon is such an amazing feat in oh, itself. Absolutely. Um, I know I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't so, do it again, but yeah. So it's just amazing how how these things kind of link up together. And um, so you talked about how when it first started, you know, we got a good part of the story from Danny. But is there anything um, else that may have happened during the early yeah. formation of our chapter that you would love to share? That from your perspective and kind of uh, some of the challenges yeah, well, possibly. There were, a number, there were a number of things, and and probably one of the biggest things that really did set it off. And I know you got that from Danny. Was a bagel day. Yes. Because we got a lot of recognition, a lot of a lot of money, and at that point in time, I had just gotten my first computer, a um, an Apple II Plus. It was, I mean, you're really going old, and uh, and I had a database program. So I, I as the treasurer of the chapter, because somebody had to watch the money, and since I'm a CPA by background, every board I've ever been on, always I wind up somehow on the finance committee or the treasurer. So I had to watch the money and make the deposits and so on. And, uh, and we did that. But I also realized that everybody that gave us a check, I could copy their address into my database. So, uh, or however we got, or Danny would give us a name and address or somebody else would give me a name and address. But mostly it was coming from the checks because at Bagel Day, we gave out like newsletters with envelopes in it so people could mail in checks. Right. And, and, and that may have been early in, in mailing, uh, putting an envelope in with your mail. It's because a lot of charities do that now. So we did that. And we, we got lots of checks because people getting on the train would give you cash. But some of them would I you know, give me the newsletter and I'll, and I'll mail something in. And they did. And, and what I also found is in setting, setting up the original database, Danny would call because he was also in charge of mailing the newsletters and say, I need labels for the, for the newsletters. Can you print me it? And I would sit on my computer at night and I would print on, on this old uh, <clears throat> printer, uh, print all the labels. And then Cynthia 
we'd bring them into Danny's, whatever, and then he'd get it to the printer and they would mail it out. And, and I found that a lot, I can't give you a percentage, but I'd say more than half of the people in that database were recurrent. So once you had them and mailed them and, the, and with a newsletter where they could read articles about everything and so on, would send you another check. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes the checks would be larger, sometimes they'd be five bucks, they'd be 10 bucks, but there was a lot of checks that we were depositing. And that's how we got our early money. And then, then we were fortunate with, uh, there was one uh, chairman of Satachi, Satachi in New York at the time. He heard about it. He came to visit with us. He, he met with Danny and I and some other people. And then he got involved and made some donations. And then through my working at the hospitals in Yonkers, uh, at the time I was at St. Joseph's Hospital as the chief financial officer, and I knew Tom Carvel, and I approached him about it. And he, uh, his foundation then wrote us a $20,000 check, which was like, wow, how much wow. we had to do to get 20,000. And then Tom and, and, and uh, Mildred, a private of payments assistant, every year thereafter, we got $20,000. All I had to do was ask, and they would send a check right away. And I, and I don't know whether that stopped when I came to Florida, or whether they continued, I have no idea. Well, I, I'll give you an update. So. Uh, we're currently having a conversation right now. And for our listeners, you know, we're having this conversation on Zoom. Um, but I'm using my laptop and, and all of the staff has laptops that we purchased uh, a few years ago. That these, This technology upgrade that we had at our office with laptops, we have a projector at the, at the office. It was all funded through our Carvel Foundation grant. Uh-huh. Well, so they, they we still them. submit um, our grant proposals right. to the Carvel Fund, Family Foundation, and they um, they still are, are are assisting our chapter today, which is an amazing thing. And, um, and we just recently, you know, submitted for the next one where we're going to be upgrading all these laptops yeah. to new things. And again, and it all started with that conversation you had with him, you know, back then, oh, which absolutely. is absolutely amazing. Yeah, he used to come to some board uh, functions and other stuff, and uh, and we got a chance to talk about it. And once you talk about making with somebody, you got a hook, because uh, you know I've done that on the national board at major corporations where they come to New York, they'd ask me to go along with them, and I go along to to meet with some corporate CEOs or what have you, and uh, and we get donations from them. So it was a very good. That's amazing, uh, and I would love. We were also we were also wish teams. So we did wishes, and and uh, Cynthia and I were a wish team. And I don't, I'm not going to say we had much training. We had the limited training we had, that, not like you have now. Right. And and uh, we went and did wishes, and and uh, and we had a couple. I don't want to say favorite wishes, but there are some wishes that you remember. And I would love for you to share um, one of those stories, which is a Hulk Hogan story, which for many years, <laughs> he was one of the number one wish granters that we had as an organization. Yeah. Um, so please share some sto- some yeah, share that story, because that's one that really people. Oh, yeah, Hulk Hogan, uh, oddly enough, uh, this is when I was a national president. So it wasn't a, a Hudson Valley story as much as a national story, but it was a Make-A-Wish story. And he was, we had our national meeting in Phoenix as we, we did then every year. And we stayed at a, at a, at a large resort with, with a lot of rooms because all the chapters came. And he was gonna be one of the guests that year. And they had arranged, uh, I had a room and it had an outdoor um, uh, patio and he stayed next door. And in the morning they were bringing a bunch of wish kids in from, uh, from around the area to come in and, and meet Hulk Hogan. 
And uh, so he came over earlier in the morning. We sat down in the, in the in, uh, we had a little kitchen and had a cup of coffee and talked to him. And, and he was explaining to me how um, and people only noticed about him, how he, uh, I think he has his master's in business. He prepared a, uh, a, a, a business plan on how he was going to develop this Hulk Hogan character. Uh, it was, he was going into wrestling, but he, he did it. He, uh, he approached it like a business person and, and actually did, did that. And, and he was very intelligent, he had very in, interesting conversation. He was here we're at the table. I'm in shorts and a shirt. He's in his, unit, his outfit. And, and then we go outside and they bring the kids in. Oh, well, first we went outside, took a few pictures. Because I got one that's one of my favorites because Cynthia's on one side, but I'm on the other. He towers over both of us. He's got his arms over both our shoulders. And, and the only question my wife had, and you got to know my wife said, oh, she's a gold Brooklyn girl. And she just said, he asked her, if you have any questions you want to ask me? And she said, yeah, how do you get into those tights? <laughs> and we were all hysterical laughing and what have you. Then they brought the kids in. And he like instantaneously went into Hulk Hogan character. And like you, you, if you didn't see him five minutes before and saw him that you saw this change in the individual. And people don't realize about people. I'll tell you a story also about President Bush that people don't know about and, and uh, involving Make-A-Wish. And that's David's story, which is another one. So that was, that was an interesting one. Uh, the two wishes, there was one wish that uh, a family in Yonkers we went down to visit, Cynthia and I went down to visit. There was just a Disneyland way, so it wasn't going to be that complicated. But we went down to meet him. Um, well, you were up in Westchester. There are areas in Yonkers you don't want to necessarily go walking through or what have you. So, so we drove up there and, and parked my brand new car in front of what I would have called the New York tenement in Yonkers. And uh, we were concerned about leaving it. And there were people sitting on the stoop, as a, a New Yorker at the front steps. We called it a soup, and they uh, and they said uh, you're you're from Make a Wish, you're from, you're from the Wish group, and we said yeah. They said okay, don't worry about your car, we'll keep our eyes on it, which they did. And then we went in and walked up the stairs to the second floor, met with the family, and and it was a very nice. The Wish families are always so nice; it's it's amazing what they go through and what have you. And we met with them, we talked about the Wish, and we and, and we we met with the child and so on. So it was queer. No problem. We're going to go do it. do it. And we set up everything. It took a few weeks. We got everything all set up. And they were, the limo's going to pick them up. And they're going to then fly out from uh, Delta Airlines, go down to Disney State, give kids the world. You know, the whole the whole bit. And I'm sitting in my office one day. And it's like I hit my head and saying, you know what? Do these people have any luggage? Mm. I, I, for some reason, I had a vision of them all walking out through the airport with shopping bags full of their clothing. I called the social worker, and the social worker who had connected us originally, they said, uh, I'll meet Shaq, and they got back and said, no, they don't have any luggage. I said, well, how are they going to bring any clothing and stuff? I said, would you go out and buy him some luggage and just send us the bill for it? And then we got him some luggage. To go. So that made you think about, you got to think more than just the wish. It's what else around the wish that, that you may not be thinking about and so on. And so they got him luggage, and they had luggage to go, and the wish was all fine. 
That's um, fantastic. And it's yeah. something that we still do today for a lot of our families, oh, you know, yeah, that are, are in a situation where they're unable to, you know, purchase their own uh, luggage. A lot of times these families haven't traveled before uh, right. on an airplane. So, you know, anything we can do to help ease their the whole process for them is something that we would we would definitely look into, um, which is something that carries over till now, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. The, going back to the whole Hogan story and just the, you know, WWE and their relationship with Make-A-Wish, I mean, it goes back so many years and even till today if you were to ask uh anyone you know who is the number one wish granter through a celebrity wish granter that we have and it's actually john cena who's also with wwe who's the current you know superstar yeah. you know on on you know in wrestling so it's just interesting how things were back in the 80s you know hasn't really wow. changed much you know it's evolved obviously but it's evolved with a new person, a new face, but it's still at the core of it. Kids still love that superhuman, you know, strength that they see in wrestlers. And it's one, it's the reason why they are one of those uh, most requested wishes that we grant, which is pretty, Absolutely. pretty cool. Let me, and, let me tell you, let me tell you a little about, about David's wish. Yes. The president, because there are some unusual, unusual parts of that that, other than the family and some that they don't even know about, but the, the family knows and probably nobody else does. But anyway, uh, the wish came, we knew he wanted to go visit the president because that's how the wish came in. And the chapter, we said it aboard me and they all looked at me and said, well, if anybody's gonna get it done, Steven said, you're gonna get it done. Again, <laughs> being, a, being a, a businessman at a large company in New York, I had other opportunities. So anyhow, um, we did arrange to go up to Liberty and, and meet with David, who was a high school uh, senior and 17. And um, and we, we went up to visit him. He had already had his bone marrow transplant at Sloan Kettering in New York. And I'm telling you all this because it's part of the story. Right. And then we, we, we go up to meet with him. We have to go, go up to his room because he didn't come really didn't come down that, you know, put the mask on way before COVID and, and what have you and, and talk and, um, it, it was really kind of interesting. So he said, so you want to visit the president? And he said, yeah. I said, so the election's coming up and who do you want to win, Dukakis or Bush? And he says, I want Bush to win. So I said, so me, so my smart Alec said, so, so you're a Republican? And he said, no, 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 it's not that. It's just that the Bushes lost a child to leukemia at Sloan Kettering in New York. And as <laughs> you're shaking your head now, Abraham, that's exactly what I did. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Shows you about having a little bit of research, maybe, or what. And he, so he said, so if I'm going to have a chance to get my wish, it's going to be probably better. Not that it wouldn't happen with the other, but I'd have better odds with the bushes. And I said, well, that, that's interesting. I did not know that. And uh, so anyway, we, we left and, we, and we, uh, we prepared the wish. Now, this is before there was a really major national organization. Right. So we didn't have a clearinghouse. So it involved my calling the uh, the Washington, D.C. chapter, Maryland chapter, and B.J. Braylow. I still remember the names 35 years. She handled wishes for the cha that chapter. And she worked with me on coordinating because she had done other wishes to, to go to the White House over the years. And sure enough, we were able to uh, get that wish set up. The White House came back and gave him, a, uh, after the election, we had to wait for the election. And, and then once Bush won, we were going to do it anyway, but we, we went ahead and did it. And uh, it's, uh, it was really interesting. So she, she called back and said, here's the date. The, the president's office gave us this date. 
And and I, I said, great. I'll call up. I'll call up the, the classes right now and let them know. And I called David, and he said, "There's one problem with that date." And I said, "What's that?" He said, "That's the date of my night of my senior prom." <laughs> oh God. Okay. And wow. he said, "But if they have to, I'll, I won't go to the prom." I said, "Let me call back. Call uh, BJ." And they and they called the White House, and the White House actually spoke to the president, and he understood the story, and said. I'm not going to interfere with the kids' uh, prom. I want him to go to the prom. So tell them to pick a date that works for him. Give me a couple dates, and I'll fit it into my schedule if I'm in town. And sure enough, he adjust, the president of the United States adjusted his schedule to meet the Make-A-Wish kids. Uh, and that was really and, and, and when the wish actually came, you know, we had arranged for the limo. They took him. Uh, I had stayed at a business meeting at, uh, I think it was a Hilton Hotel in, in Washington. And I told BJ, I said, you know, they were really nice, beautiful hotel. And so, and so she went to them and the hotel and gave them the presidential suite and no charge. I mean, it was really amazing. And, and, and what have you, because we, we had a major meeting there, but whatever, they wanted to do that. And, uh, and we got them to go down to Washington for a few days and not only meet the president, but go to the Supreme Court, go to the Treasury, see how things function there, whatever. And they they went to the and they took them to the White House. And and David told me at, at some point it was really strange sitting in the outer office with all these generals and other people around. And they made them wait and they ushered them in. And they were supposed to have like what, five minutes. I think I don't remember what Jessica will tell you because she was there. They probably spent twenty minutes or half an hour with the president. And and uh, David was given. Uh, when Sloan Kettering heard he was going, they wanted to send a gift to the Bushes because they had been very good to the hospital years. So they sent a, a gift for David to bring to the White House, which they gave him. David gave him a, a Liberty High School jacket uh, and so on. And Bush told him, because then he used to go out running, uh, make sure uh, you watch next time I'm out running, I'll be wearing the jacket. And Bush obviously gave David the cufflinks and all the other paraphernalia. And they had a nice visit, like the pictures... I sent you one of them if you don't have them. Yeah. I've got all the pictures from the from the uh, from the White House with uh, with George Mitchell actually holding up the jacket and, and looking at it. On and, a side uh, on a side note, I would love for you if it's, if possible either to scan those photos or um, take a picture of them with a cell phone and send it to us because we have some uh, pictures of we have some pictures, but they were very very low resolution. And even the one that you had emailed Jillian was very. Um, was was very clear. It was in better quality than the ones that we have on file. So that's anything good. you have would be great to have well, pictures of that's, it. That's that's one of my big four of them that I had that that uh, that the classes had given us after they came back and so on and so forth. And I've kept them over the years. Yeah. Obviously, a couple of my hanging on my wall behind the door there. We love the pictures and and so on. So uh, and 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 not only that, but then at one point as they were leaving, Bush took uh, uh, Rita, David's mother, aside put his arm around her and said, I know what you're going through. Just keep fighting. It'll work out. Wow. And, and actually, and years later, believe it or not, down here in Florida, I, I, I played golf in, in a, with Jeff Bush in the same golf cart, had related the story to him and said, when you speak to your father, I don't know whether he'll remember the wish. I would assume he might because of the unusual and tell him that David's doing fine. The family's doing fine and so on. And, and thank him for everything he did. And he said he absolutely would. This is before he became governor. 
when he was just uh, uh, in business and what have you here. And and then wow. and whatever. And then actually, years later, Chris Everett's golf uh, tennis tournament, Bush used to play every year, and I was a sponsor, my company. And I got to meet George Bush and relayed the story to him. I said, I hope your son ever, ever told you. He said, actually, he did, and what have you. And it was a great story. And wow. he asked him. So those are, those are of the, all the wishes we did, a number of them. Those are the stories that I, re, I remember most. Uh, um, That's yeah. that, I have and, to say. And, that... and then, as you know, uh, from then, I, I became a member of the national board. And, right. and yeah, they had the treasurer was uh, finishing out his term. He wasn't going to stay stand for re-election. And the board had a vacancy. They asked me to come on as assistant treasurer. So therefore, I could run for the board, which I did get elected and then re-elected and what have you. So I was the treasurer, <clears throat> and and this is a national now. And and I and I'm talking to them, saying, okay, now uh, tell me how things work. How do you pay the bills? And they said, oh, we send you a copy of the invoice and you write the check. I said, I what? I I I don't usually write checks at all in person. I've never been on a board, but, and and so we went out and got a book bookkeeper. Julie Ulmer, who retired about a year or so, and Julie became eventually became the controller of Make a Wish, and Julie was our bookkeeper, and she paid the bills, and uh, and we started to organize the national office by hiring some other people. We were raising some money, and it was uh, you know it was an interesting time. And one of the things we did now that affects you now and, and other chapters is there was no organization nationally. In terms of how do you do things uh, financially, right. so we came out with a uniform. It took us about a year, year and a half, two years. We had a few chapters, and we met, and we came up with a uniform chart of accounts, and we we pushed every chapter to go onto a chart of accounts that was uniform, have uniform financial statements. We knew that at some point in time we were going to have to do something with this large organization that made sense to people. You, you couldn't say. Oh, we spend 90% of our, on wishes. Well, how do you know that? Well, we don't really don't know it because every chapter, that's not going to work. Right. So we, we set up that. How do you handle a, a donation wish, you know, the, like the hotel donator? Because there's a cost involved. Uh, right? It's a donation. It's, it's almost like cash. It's better, it's just as good as cash and, and whatever. So we, we had, had to do that. And, and a couple of us actually had to travel around the country to some of the chapters who were fighting it. To, uh, you know, and I always wanted to go to Texas for some reason and kicking some rear ends to get them. To well, the it's, it's the George, it's the George Bush connection. They sent you to Texas. They knew that you were uh, good with yeah, the Bushes. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, we, but we, so we did that and uh, we actually got all the chapters to agree because everybody's understood the need for it. And uh, and now now you have national financials that uh, they have produced and what have you. And, and you needed to show corporations. They used to annual reports. And it shows the size of make a wish and everything else that comes in and donations and how much is spent on wishes. And but that's where it started on having to organize that. And it took us, I'm telling you, well over a year of, of trying to you know figure out how to do it, what to do, and so on and so forth. Well, so, I, and I and I really appreciate you sharing, you know, the early beginnings of not only our chapter back in the early 80s or mid-80s, I should say. Um and also the national office as it was getting its legs too and oh, yeah. kind of formalizing things because I think that's an important perspective for our listeners to kind of be aware of is that we are a grassroots organization. It started grassroots in Arizona with the first 
child that inspired the creation yeah. of Make-A-Wish, which was for Chris Gracious. And it continued right. on even with the beginnings of formation of our chapter, our local presence of Make-A-Wish with a grassroots effort. It was literally Steve hearing the story at a million dollar round table, pulling Danny in, pulling you in and pulling everybody else in with their wives and their family and extended friends and said, hey, we, let's do this here. Let's have this in the Hudson Valley, uh, right. lower Hudson Valley area. Let's let's have this, let's provide this level of hope for kids in this area. And that's how it started. You said it before, you know, there wasn't a lot of formal training. You got a little bit of training, but a lot of it was kind of figuring things out as you grew, as you were doing it. And I think that says a lot about the tenacity of our you know, chapter co-founders to kind of get things yes. going and get us to where we are now. Now, 35 years later, as we celebrate 35 years of wishes is, you know, we're still having centralized uh, conversations with our national office and, and our local chapter. And like right now we're going through, you know, moving all of our server files to the cloud, you know, so we're, we're working with that now. Um, you talk about how you were working off of a, you know, early Apple computer two plus, you know, and here we are putting files in the cloud. So it just goes to show how things are evolving, but yet the process and, and trying to streamline things and trying to make things as simple as possible for every chapter, it's still happening today. Um, yeah. And that's the magical part about Make-A-Wish is that we're evolving, but yet at the core of what we who we are doesn't change, which is to be better, to create right. better right. quality wishes, to be more present in the hospital so that families know that we are here for them when they need us. Um, and I think that in itself is something that has not changed, even though other things have evolved, right? It, it won't. And, and it and it's interesting that, and then I spent 10 years on the national board and eventually as president of the national board. And besides doing, uh, you know, the uniform chart accounts, one of the things in terms of wish granting that I, that I really love is uh, the national, we started raising all, a lot of money and, and, and got the board to make the decision that we want to give money back to the chapters. And how do we do that? And what we did in those, in those early days is we had the national meeting and we found a number of chapters did come to it. And there's a lot of training that went on at the national meeting. So it wasn't like you went there and had a party. I mean, right. you know, we did have a Saturday night party, whatever, but, but you went to training classes all day long, learn how to do a wish, learn how to do this, learn how to do the financials. It was, it was kind of really interesting. So, uh, but the chapters couldn't come because they couldn't afford it. And their view was, I'm not going to take money away from a wish in order to go out there, even though we could use the training. So we developed a, I don't know whether they still do it to this day, uh, although I'm still involved, I'm still in the, the local Florida, uh, South Florida's uh, advisory uh, committee. Um, but we started giving scholarships. So a chapter couldn't afford to do it. We would then pay for them to come and have two representatives come so that every chapter was represented at the national meeting. Somebody wasn't like the, the it wasn't like blue states, red states, that kind of stuff. Right. It was everybody's got to be. It's one big family. So we did that. And then we also had money when disaster struck, like mm -hmm. uh, uh, when South Florida got hit in 92 uh, by uh, uh, Hurricane Andrew and devastated it. Their fundraising totally dried up. So kids' wishes couldn't, because people, you know, not that they didn't love it, but they had money they needed to spend on themselves or, or other stuff or other things needed. So we were able, and it also helped that I was on their board at that time, because when they heard the national president is moving to Florida, 
<laughs> they asked me, come on the board. And, and we did, but we did it with other chapters. And we then wound up giving them a, uh, a we gave them both a, do, uh, a straightforward donation. And we also gave them a loan. So we gave them like 50,000 so they could do wishes and then and then uh, and repay the loan, which they did right away. Because once things settled down, we had the same thing happen in, in, in the South and other states where they got hit with uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, wherever. So we, we were able to, to set up a system where chapters wishes got done no matter what happened at the chapter. And that's something, and that's a mantra that still continues to today yes. with our, with national really supporting chapters, both with trainings as well as, you know, underwriting the cost of wishes in certain cases, you know, if, if there was a situation that, that required it was, that. It, it was a major mindset uh, switch because chapters at the time didn't all get along with the, with the national because they felt that the national, certainly like the Phoenix chapter had every right to be upset because of all the fundraising that got done nationally, but they needed money locally. And, what, and then you figure you had other states, uh, they had the same reason. So we had a change in attitude where, yeah, we're doing national fundraising because once you hit a major corporation, a Procter & Gamble or somebody like that, you're affecting people all over the place. A lot of that money is going back to the chapters. So, so it took a couple of years, but it changed the attitude and the relationship to the national and the chapters and it made it much better. And, and I assume it's still the same to this date. Yeah, absolutely. And you're cre- and what you were doing was really putting in the foundation for our culture that we have now, which is one of, of truly a fam- a Make-A-Wish family. We are a team, um, you know, both on the local level as well as our, you know, sister chapters in the in the in the area, particularly for our in our area, we are very close with Make-A-Wish Connecticut, Make-A-Wish New Jersey, yeah. Make-A-Wish Northeast New York and, you know, and so on and so forth and all these, you know, surrounding chapters, you know, we're very close to them including Suffolk County, um, which is at the tail end of Long Island. Um, but with I that said, was I that? lived out there uh, many, many years ago in the tail end. Oh, beautiful. I couldn't afford, when I first got married, I couldn't afford to live closer in. So we lived all the way out in the shore in Suffolk County, and I drove into Manhattan every day. Wow. Yeah. yeah that, tell me about it. <laughs> well, I'm from the Bronx. I know you said your wife, Cynthia, is from uh, from Brooklyn. Are you also from the Bronx? the Bronx? We're in the Bronx. We're in the Bronx, but raised in Queens. Um, but, you yeah. know, there's something about I think that's something important to also note that a lot of our early founders, I mean, you know, they come from the city. You know, it's all about hustling. It's all about making oh. moves to um, to make things happen. And I think that type of mentality is still yeah. needed now, you know, as an organization, as especially in our particular territory where we have people from the city. We have people we have very suburban and we also have very rural. You know, we have people that live on farms that are that are you know, getting wishes right now. So I think that's an important perspective is that level of hustle. You also have to be able to adapt. And I think adapting to the territory, adapting to the demographics and to the area, that's innate in someone that's from the city. You just always are, like you said, if you go into a certain neighborhood and you don't know that neighborhood, your head is on a swivel. You know, um, you you want to make a connection with somebody to watch your car so it's not broken into or, you know, and especially back in the day, it was a lot more prevalent than than, than now. Um, but I have, a, I have a, a question for you, Steve, that, that I'm curious about. What has been the biggest surprise for you as seeing our, our chapter, you know, in its early formations in its, you know, you know, prenatal stages and then getting and being born? Um, what has what has surprised you the most as as far as our growth over all these years in 35 years? It's it's hard to say because I w- if you asked me 30 years ago, I never would have believed it would have grown that big. I thought what we were doing is wonderful. 
but I thought it was going to be a local thing and we, we'd have like whatever, 30, 40 chapters around the country. Um, you know, not 79 when I left. I don't know how many chapters there are now. But yeah, we're right. We're, we're right under 60 chapters. So anyway, so it, it's uh, uh, it just seeing the growth and, and getting to meet the people around the country and the fact that everybody that I ever met in, in 35 years of dealing with Make-A-Wish and some of it very intently, uh, no matter where, as you just said, no matter where you came from, whether it was Iowa, or whether it was Texas, or whether it was New York, everybody had the same attitudes about, you know, maybe the, the approach to getting it done may have been different, but they all had the same objective. Right. The objectives to do the wish and do it right and so on. And uh, I never met anybody who didn't have that as their main objective. How do we do the wish? And that's the first thing. And then the rest of it, it's like... Uh, uh, the rest of it will follow. But how do we do the wish has got to come first? 100%. And I think, you know, you could, we could go back to the, you know, the Ford Motor Company, you know, model, which is, you know, replicating the ability to to replicate a product, yeah. you know, so that it's always at the same le- base level of quality. And I think that's kind of what you look back when looking at wishes is that our quality of wishes specifically for our chapter, I'm very proud to say, has been consistently solid. You know, our wishes are always great. Our families always, you know, get the most out of the the experience. And that's a testament to, you know, how we were founded, you know, and and, and we've carried that on throughout as part of our tradition in working on wishes and also how we train volunteers and ensuring that, you know, volunteers understand the significance of the work that they're doing so that the level of quality is always there and that we are going to be evolving over years, you know, continuing to improve on the process and making it easier and making it simpler, but at the same time, still keeping that same level of quality for our wishes. Like you said, it comes first and foremost, and that's something that we still continue to today, 35 years later. And um, with that said, I have a, a, you know, switching gears a little bit. We have a section in our, in our podcast that is called the shooting star segment, which is a series of questions where you say the first thing that comes to mind. So I'll start off with, uh, with this first question. Um, if you could have a wish, you know, what would it be? And I'll, and I'll give you a, a reminder of the five formal wish categories, which are to go, to meet, to have, to be, and to give. So out of those five formal wish categories, what wish would you have, Steve? Well, obviously, fitting none of those categories, my first wish would be for my family's health and make sure that no child does not get a wish that needs it. I, I probably would wish for uh, the end of disease or anything like that, that would be the, the obviously the mo- spending 55 years in healthcare and being involved with make wish for 35 of them. That would be the first wish because I, I don't want, you know, I'm tired of seeing people suffering and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, barring that, it would be to make sure every child gets to do it, gets to get the wish of that, that they want. And, and, and certainly the wish of uh, health and so on as, as is not what, the case with David, because now he's, a, he's an old man. I, I know his, his, his kids already and so on. So it's uh, not good for that. I'd like to see every child have. And that's actually a, and that's actually a great point, Steve, because, you know, for our listeners that haven't met a wish kid yet or their perception mm-hmm. of what a wish kid is, which is sometimes they think of a kid that's going through chemotherapy. They've lost them their hair. They're very frail looking. But that's not how all of our wish kids look when they're referred to us. In the, in, uh-huh. out, outwardly, right? I mean, there's sometimes kids that oh, you wouldn't uh, even think that they're that they're yeah, sick. Like, and the shock, the shocking part is when I 
went to visit David in his room. David obviously had chemotherapy, was bald. But up on the wall, it's a picture of him on the ski slopes with this flowing mane of hair flowing down the thing. And, and I, to this day, I remember it. it was, you know, and he may not even remember it, but I remember it because it was right behind him on his bedroom wall, this picture with this kid with a full head of hair and this bald kid sitting in front of me. And it was just, you know, it was surreal. It is surreal. And, and I think that's one of the things that are, are, you know, we hope that our listeners get out of these, you know, podcast episodes. And as we have these conversations around, you know, our, the founding of our chapter and just all the people behind the scenes that help make wishes come true every day is that kids that are that are receiving a wish. Um, don't necessarily reflect the what we expect them to reflect. And yeah. a lot of kids that have, you know, certain blood disorders, you know, outwardly they look normal, but, you know, they still have to get insulin or they may have, Absolutely. you know, lupus or they may have other autoimmune disorders that outwardly is not, you can't see it, but they are, you know, really struggling with this, with yes. these conditions um, and are challenged with it every day. And I think that's one of the things that we're hoping to help break that misconception that when you, when we are granting wishes to kids, they don't always necessarily look the way we think they're going to look, but they do have a condition that does make them eligible to receive a wish. And our goal is to grant them their most heartfelt wish. And right. we need the, the support of our community, both you know on the volunteer side, but also on the flip to that is also on the, the fundraising side, because without our organization having the support of our donors, we would be unable to grant the wishes that we have. And specifically our chapter, you know, we have, we, we need our community to rally behind our kids, to give them hope for a better tomorrow and to give them the strength that they need to get through the challenges that they're faced with. So, you know, that's something I just wanted to make sure that I say, because, you know, we were, we're very proud to say that in 2006, we were the first chapter throughout all of Make-A-Wish to establish an alumni committee, which is comprised of kids that received wishes and have decided to give back in their own way, whether it's been sharing their story or, you know, or, or fundraising on their end. That's actually, and I don't know if you know this, Steve, but I'm a wish kid. So I think no, I you. I didn't know that. Yeah. So there you go. I buried the lead. Oh, um, yeah. So I received my wish back in 1999. It was to go on a cruise to the Bahamas and Bermuda. And seven years after my wish was granted in 2006, I received a letter in the mail inviting me to be part of our alumni committee. And that's how I was able to get re-engaged with right. the chapter and get and get involved. And then in 2007, I joined the staff. And they haven't been able to get rid of me, Steve. I'm still here. Um, and, and I think that's, uh, you know, my story is one of the over 2,900 and plus wishes that we've granted at our chapter since you helped establish it back in 1986. April 3rd, 1986 is when is our, is our birthday, our anniversary date. So on behalf of all of us at Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley, both our volunteers and, and community supporters, we thank you and all of the chapter co-founders for having that hustle to say, you know what, we're going to make this work within our territory, within our area to help bring joy to kids that are, that are suffering through something really, really difficult. So um, we just wanted to thank you, Steve, on behalf of everybody uh, at the I chapter. I appreciate it. You don't have to thank us. It was something that we're very blessed to be able to do. And, and uh, something that, as I, I told you before, even the podcast, uh, make which has been my chap- charity now for 35 years. Um, and and gotten involved besides the national and the South Florida chapter and, and helping uh, get the Orlando chapter off, off the ground and, and other chapters and meeting people all around the country. Uh, it's been a hell of an experience that, that uh, you know, I, I really uh, very strong about it and what have you. And anybody at all that knows me and my wife, 
will save you. With Steve's chat of uh, charity, no sale, make a wish. Clearly, clearly make a wish. That's amazing. I have another question for you, Steve. Sure. You know, and, and maybe you can share a story that you haven't, uh, we haven't talked about yet, which is what would you say is the is one of your not favorite wishes, but maybe one of those standout wishes that you recall over all of these years, whether it was at the local level or on the national level, um, that that you either helped grant or were a part of granting. Well, national, it'd be hard because <clears throat> we didn't really do wishes at the national level. So unless something came that helped me needed funding, we didn't know. On the local level, it was it was all sorts of things. I still remember uh, a swimming pool, and 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 us sitting as at a board. This was early on, and saying well, that's a hell of a lot of money for us to put into one wish, which it was. And the family had to go meet with the family to find out you know why. And as it turned out, it was we learned a lot about things. It was a, a, some talk, a kid had some type of immune disease and could not love to swim, but couldn't go to a public pool because there was too, I, I don't know the exact disease, but there was too much of a risk of catching something at the pool. So, so that you know, when you looked at it and said, ah, you should have, it wasn't the parent's wish. No, it, we actually found it was the child's wish and there was a medical reason for it. So it's like, don't rule something out because it just sounds strange, although it could wind up being strange. But look at go, go through the whole thing and you may find out that there's a very good reason for it. So that was one that just popped in. I hadn't thought of that in a <coughs> but it made me think about it just because, you know, if a kid wants to go on a trip to, uh, you know, we had one, uh, I think Danny may have talked about it, some child that wanted to go to Europe. Well, you know, why, why uh, Europe? Well, the kid wanted to go visit the grandparents who lived in Europe before the parent, grandparents died. And that was the kid's wish. And we had to make sure it wasn't really the parents' wish talking them into it. And the fact is, it was the kid's wish. He actually wanted to go meet his grandparents or someone. And uh, so, uh, you know, those are a couple of them. And there, I'm sure there were other ones along the way. And they're not always big ones. I mean, you know, some of them uh, are, are as little as getting a kid a puppy. And they want a dog and, and so on. And uh, wishes that uh, and we, we still try to embellish it with a lot more because a, a dog's easy to do. And what else is, you know, the kid want or some of the uh, uh, going to Macy's with a, a young girl who wanted to go on a shopping spree. I still remember the first time, but we did a shopping spree and stuff like that. It was, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, to be able to really do that and see the, the child's face brighten up and, and, and give them a respite and then hear from the parents, which we inevitably hear how this really took a, a very bad time. It didn't make it better, but made it a little bit better for them and, and, and what have you. That's true. And, and I'm curious, I mean, we, we kind of talked, kind of glossed over it earlier. We talked about the first wish that we granted as a chapter um, on paper, which was for yeah. those tickets to go see the Nutcracker on Broadway. Do you have any recollection or any memories of that particular wish that I know you may not have worked on it directly, but maybe just hearing about it? Um, because a lot of times, you know, with this podcast, you know, we're hoping to highlight some of these early wishes that we granted. Um, and being that that's number one, the one that kind of started the lineage of 2,900 plus wishes do you have any memory or recollection of that particular wish? Well, other than the fact that it was probably paid for by the New York chapter. Thank you, <laughs> um, Metro New York, for your, people, for your wishes. Many assist. people don't know, but as treasurer, I would know that somebody had to pay for it. Whatever, right. Pay the bill. But, but being arranging for a limo company to take the people into the city, 
and to embellish the wish. That may have been the first time we dealt with a, with a limo. Again, oh, okay. we didn't know. We had never done an Orlando wish or any other wish. So, you know, it sounds like easy. Well, get on the train, take the, uh, take the, take the, the train into, into the Metro North into the city or whatever. No, <clears throat> I think I'm pretty sure we did a limo into it and, and probably arranged for them to have a dinner out in the city or something where you could make it nice. It wasn't um, that you spent a couple hundred bucks on some uh, on, on theater tickets. That's what the child's wish was. I don't remember the details of it. Danny may know more about it or somebody else. Um, but uh, that was uh, that was the first wish. I mean, I remembered that it was the first wish because it was a simple wish for us. And part of it being simple was we weren't an organized chapter yet. So we were doing our first wish. It couldn't have been a complicated wish. It's not like, well, okay, your first wish is get to get get the kid to meet the president of the United States. <laughs> well, we would have we would have sat there like with our mouths open saying, what do we do with? Or even send them to Orlando would have been really strange to us. Where do we start? And we'd be calling all around to find out what do we do next? How do we handle that? And how are we gonna pay for it? We don't have we haven't raised that much money yet. Right. That's amazing. Um, and the, la- the last question I have for you here, Steve, as part of our Shooting Star segment is, in one word, how would you describe Make-A-Wish? Unbelievable. It's hard one word. I can think of a lot of one words. Unbelievable that, of where it is and what it does. It's just like, um, you know, you, you got to give credit to, I mean, Chris Gracious in that first wish with, with Tommy Austin and the, the Rangers. I mean, that was, you know, they had the vision. Because they did something that really worked out well, and I and I think it's strange to me because I know all those people. I mean, Tommy and I and I, I didn't know Chris, but I knew his mother, Linda, and, and so on, Linda. So uh, we uh, just to have that kind of vision that what we just did in in having um, you know the uh, uniform for the, for the child in the hospital, uh, the fire, you know, the going up the ladder to uh, to a hospital room to to see him or something like that, uh, a fireman that we do, the imagination that, that people have in, in, in making a wish kind of come true. And then, and then these guys sitting down there saying, what we just did was so unusual and so great, we ought to do another one and start to do another one. And that's how it grew. And then another one and then another one. And, um, you know, it's, it's just those early people had the vision. And uh, not everybody has the vision, but they had, the, I'm not so with us, I'm doing with the national, although we had some vision also. But the ones of course. Stood, but we had something to base the vision on. They had nothing. It was brand new to them. And uh, you got to give them a lot of credit for it. And, uh, and, and, and if you ask them, do you believe it have grown to this day? Uh, they would have told you, not at all. Like, they, they couldn't believe it. It started. You ask Tommy, I said, He's still around, and you can, and you can tell him I know how to put a, a, a cowboy hat down on the, on the table. <laughs> because at the national meeting of Phoenix when I was president, the, uh, they had bought me a, a cowboy hat. We were having a cowboy night, night Saturday night dance, and I wore the hat. It was a beautiful hat. And then I took it off the, to stand at the lectern, and I put it on the table, and I put it brimmed down. Oh. And Tommy, Tommy pranced up from the back of the thing and said, uh, where I come from, we, you don't put a hat down like that. He turned it over so the brim was facing up and said, this is the way we put the hat down. And I, and I responded, as an old New Yorker, well, from New York, 
that's what we call a fundraiser. <laughs> and then a lot of people came up from and started dropping dollar bills into it. We raised a couple hundred dollars on just that joke hey. and then gave it to the national organization to deposit. That's awesome. I love that New York was heavily represented over in Arizona, you know, at these meetings and that we gave them a little bit of that flavor. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was important, but there were a lot of New Yorkers from Long Island and, and other parts of New York and, and New Jersey uh, that were involved in it. And, and uh, it, it, it did help the organization because she said there was an attitude of let's get this done. And there were people from Los Angeles and, and what happened. So I don't want to minimize any area of the country. Of course, yeah, yeah. Really but come on, we're from New York, so we got to represent well, New York. We are. We got to. <laughs> well, I said, they would send me, send me off to be the, the carpet bag and I would go bang some heads to get a chapter to do something right or what have you. Hey, there you go. Well, you know, uh, what what could we say, Steve? I mean, you know, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I'm so thankful that, you know, we were able to get you um, to chat with us. Thank you for commenting on our post on Facebook, which is kind of what started um, the journey for us to have this conversation today. Oh, I, I follow you on Facebook. I don't always I don't always comment on Facebook. But when it comes to make wish, when, when, when I do comment, it's a comment because I'm so proud of you guys. When I see something, it's, when I saw the wish house, it was like, whoa. Okay, and you, you got to comment, even if, and it can't be as simple. I like it. You right. got to say something about it, and 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 I do, and I watch it, and I really, um, I'm glad the chapters kept in touch, so the Facebook you're able to know what's going on, because that's always one of the issues I have with any kind of organization that uh, you you know when you leave the board, you leave the board, and you let the pe- new people run it, but you're always there to help, give some guidance or help when asked. But too many organizations kind of forget you. You're gone. You're gone. Goodbye. And uh, and it's always been a and it's it's something Makewish isn't necessarily like that. But other others are, and I kind of feel bad. But Makewish seems to always be in touch with me, and and uh, and we always know what's going on with it, and, and so on and so forth. And, and as I said, I'm on the advisory board of the of the South Florida chapter, and every once in a while. I get that call. We 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 meeting. We need a few people. We want some ideas. We want some thoughts on it, and so on. And it's local. I'm happy to run it and go do it. Now with Zoom, you could do that anywhere in the country. Yeah, you could do it anywhere in the country. And the great thing about it. The great thing about it also is that for people that are listening that maybe are outside of our territory and want to support Make-A-Wish, there's a Make-A-Wish office in every single state and um and Commonwealth, you know, in the United States. There's one in Puerto Rico, we got you know, Guam, you know, we got, you know, Hawaii, we have every, all the the intercontinental states as well. So, I mean, there is a representation of Make-A-Wish in every, everywhere. So, and also expand on that globally with Make-A-Wish International. So anywhere you are, you'll find Make-A-Wish. So if you are listening to this podcast and want to get involved in your local area, go to wish.org and find your local area. Get involved today. Steve, what would you tell people that are interested in volunteering their time to a charity like Make-A-Wish? What would you tell them to, to do to get in, to encourage them to get involved locally? The, the, the easiest way is call. Look up, as you just said, look up the local chapter. Call. If you can't find it for some reason, look up Make-A-Wish of America. Call. They'll be happy to refer you to a local chapter closest to you because they'll know where they are. They'll be like in Florida, there's three chapters. So depending on where you live, there's that you may want to belong to one chapter, be involved with one chapter or another. And there's no, you know, there's always need for more volunteers. So that would be the simplest way. If, if you can't find it right away, make a wish of America. Go online, send them an email, 
make a call, whatever, and you'll get a response. That's true. Well, Steve, thank you so much. Um, our, our thanks to our guest, Steve Cohen, for joining us today on the Wish House podcast and sharing how his involvement with Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley helped shape the chapter's future. I mean, without you and and the, and those that you mentioned earlier, which I also want to give, again, another shout out, you know, to our early co-founders, Danny and Sandy Lieberman, you know, you, Steve, and your wife, Cynthia, uh, Larry and Phyllis Rockmacher, you know, we have Stephen and Blake, Paul Babbage, and all the others that helped with supporting our chapter in those early days, which has brought us to today, um, this year of 35 years of wishes. So Steve, thank you so much on behalf of everyone at Make-A-Wish, our local, our, our current staff and those that preceded us. We can't thank you enough for, for having the motivation and the, the insight to say, you know what, we want to start this here locally. Um, so we can't thank you enough. Well, uh, thank you very much for the time. I love doing this because there's nothing I'd rather talk about than make boys. To our listeners, remember, you can always refer to our show notes for additional information about the topics we discussed today. We invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast to help us reach as many people as possible about our wonderful mission. Special thanks to the executive producers of the Wish House podcast, Jillian Rodriguez and Sydney Wolf. Shout out to Wish alum Brian Chin for providing our podcast theme music. And finally, from all of us at the Wish House, stay safe and healthy.